So will you take your uh, Bibles or if you're using an electronic device and join me over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Uh, we're continuing our journey through this book, uh, this series entitled Upside Down. When the church was founded, those against the church accused Paul, his companions, and the people in this church of turning the world upside down. Now, what we recognize is the fact that they were actually turning the world right side up, because that's what the gospel does. So follow along with me as we begin in verse 5 of chapter 3. To this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brother, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly, night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. May God bless the reading of his word for us this morning. For pastors, the ministry can be a stressful situation at times. Uh, before COVID hit, let me share some statistics with you about pastors. 50% of all pastors who begin in the ministry will be out of the ministry within five years. 30% of pastors in the ministry say that they feel fulfilled in the ministry, which means 70% say that they are not fulfilled in the ministry. 35% say they are depressed. 62% say that they are emotionally distressed. Now, that was before COVID hit. Right now, during the COVID uh, season that we're in since last March, it is estimated that once COVID is over and we're through with it, that 40% of the pastors will get out of the ministry. And another alarming uh, statistics is it is estimated that 40% of all churches will close. 
many of them smaller ministries. Now, no one, no pastor that I know of ever took a seminary class on how to handle COVID. I mean, pastors aren't equipped for these types of situations. But let me know, or let me let you know, that as a church, I'm doing just fine. And I want you to know as well, your pastoral staff here is doing fine. We are working through the situations. And we, as we've said in the past, we ask you for your prayers. Well, we need your prayers as we seek to navigate these waters and whatever else seems to come up. But I want you to know that men of God... Preachers, evangelists, missionaries are not immune from having struggles and having issues. The Apostle Paul was not immune, as we're going to see in the passage that's before us. Now, as we've said before, Paul was in Thessalonica about one year before this letter was written. Let me share with you the things that had happened in Paul's life in two years leading up to writing this epistle. So we go from the point that he's writing, let's go back two years and let's see what all Paul has experienced. He was in Philippi where he was unjustly beaten, put in stocks, and thrown in prison. So from Philippi, he went on to Thessalonica where he was forced to leave because of persecution. Uh, So Paul went on to Berea, but his enemies, the Jews who were in Thessalonica opposing him, went to Berea, and he was forced to leave from Berea as well because they stirred up crowds against him. From there, the Apostle Paul went to Athens, And there he went by himself, so he's all alone, while the other members of his team went to other places. Paul had a little bit of fruit in Athens, but mainly he was greeted with jeers and rejection. So from Athens, he goes on to Corinth where the Jews resisted his message and blasphemed against him. They brought Paul before the Roman proconsul, the the governor of that area, and Gallio threw them out. But he did permit the Jews to beat Sosthenes, who was a Jewish convert of Paul's. Paul was fearful that he was going to be beaten and harmed as well. And so that in Acts 18, in verses 9 to 10, the the Lord appeared to Paul in a vision and told him, do not be afraid any longer, but go on speaking. Notice that. Don't be afraid any longer, indicating that Paul had some fear of what he was doing. But go on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you, 
And no man will attack you in order to harm you, for I have many people in this city. F.F. Bruce, in his commentary, uh, speaking about this, said that he believes before this angel appeared to Paul, that in all likelihood, Paul and his companions were questioning whether they had really heard what God wanted them to do, of being there and ministering in light of all the opposition. So as we come to our passage this morning, the first thing that I want you to see is Paul's concern, his concern. Now, we talked about this a little bit last week in chapter 3 in verse 5, where there we read, for this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. Paul's concern is that he had labored in vain. Paul's concern is that he had poured all of this work into the church at Thessalonica, and we know that Paul was there probably from somewhere between three and six months ministering there, and Paul is concerned that maybe he did all of that and there was nothing to show for it because he knows that Satan is the tempter. And we talked about that last week, that Satan is going to seek to put temptation before the followers of Jesus. And Paul was concerned that this temptation given to the Thessalonians, that they would have fallen into sin. But what we see is Timothy's report then in verse 6. In verse 6, Paul says, but now that Timothy has come to us from you. Now that Timothy's back with us, I couldn't bear it any longer, so I sent Timothy to you to check things out because, remember, Satan had put a roadblock in front of Paul, and he was not able to get there. Timothy has come to us from you and brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. So what was Timothy's report back? Timothy's report was he gave a good report of their faith, a good report of their love, and a good report of their desire to see Paul. So Paul is going to end up encouraged about this. The word that's used in this passage about the good news that comes, it's the word that is typically used to preach the gospel. This is the only place in the, where Paul uses this term where it is not referring to preaching the gospel of grace whereby people are saved. Remember we said last week, when we talk about the gospel, we need to remember the word gospel means good news. So we have to stop and say, good news about what? Now, every other place where Paul uses that term, good news, he's talking about our salvation in Christ and how belief in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, putting our faith and trust in him, is where, it's by that that we are saved. But in this case, it's the good news 
that the believers are standing firm in Thessalonica. This was good news to Paul, and it encourages him. Paul is encouraged in his distress. Look at what it says there in verse 7. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction. Paul says, I got good news from you in spite of my distress, in spite of my affliction. Do you think of the Apostle Paul often in distress? You might think of him sometimes in affliction because we, knew that he, we know that he has the thorn in the flesh, but Paul distressed, and yet we see this man of God was distressed. He says, in spite of my distress, he is going to be, in spite of his distress and affliction, he is going to be energized. Where do you see that? Verses 7 and 8. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted. The word for comfort means encouragement. We have been encouraged about you through your faith. For now we live, and look at your Bibles as it goes on in verse 8, if you are standing fast in the Lord. For now we live. Paul is saying, we get excited. Now we are energized in what we're doing if you are standing firm in the gospel. And that word to stand firm means to not retreat. It's a military term. When the front is attacked, they hold their ground. They do not back up. They stay where they're supposed to be. And Paul says when he hears that, it is an encouragement to him, even in the midst of his distress and affliction. You know, for those of us that serve here at Maranatha Bible Church as your pastors, when we hear the reports of what this body is doing in ministering to others, when we hear the reports of those who are sharing their faith and people are coming to know Christ, when we hear the reports of people making good choices instead of bad choices, when we hear of members of this body ministering to one another. That is encouraging. That energizes us in the proclamation of the word. I mean, James told us we're not to be mere hearers of the word, but we're to be what? Doers of the word. And so, as we hear that going on, we get excited because we know that we have not labored in vain, but we are accomplishing what God has intended. And not only does it energize us to work harder and to do more, it also brings joy. Notice Paul says it's an encouragement, verses 8 and 9. For this reason, brothers, in our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live 
if you are standing fast in the Lord, for what thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God? See, as we live out our faith, it brings joy to those who minister to us. I have to say, you know, we shared this report of the Indian pastors. Brings joy to my heart to hear how they are standing firm in the prison. It brings joy to my heart to know that as a church, we are praying for them and God is answering our prayers. God is working in a way that he will be glorified. Prisoners coming to know Christ as Savior. In India... I mean, remember what they've been thrown in jail for? They've been accused of buying people to put their faith in Christ. So let me see here. A, a little paint may have bought them to become Christians. A bucket and a cup so they can use it for their shower. I, I wonder if they're going to press new charges now that Benny's ministry has come to the aid of those who are in prison. But see, that's how we as followers of Christ are to act. They're arrested, put into prison, and God opens a whole new mission field for Benny and his team to be able to minister. That's how our God works. And don't you think that this is energizing them to do even more? Don't you think that when they shared the gospel and their testimony and people put their faith in Christ, that that energized them some more and now they're preaching to the whole prison? God has taken a light and put it in a very dark place. He knows what he is about and what he is doing. So the next thing that I want us to see from our passage is Paul's desire. And so Paul's desire is to supply what they lack. Look at verse 10. As we pray earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. What's it mean to supply what's lacking in their faith? It is not that Paul is saying there's something wrong with the faith that they put in Christ. No, in chapter 1, verse 3, Paul had set, talked to them and commended them for their work of faith. In chapter 1, in verse 8, Paul had said the faith of this church had gone out everywhere. So what does it mean that they lack something? Well, that lack is they need more training. Uh, they've only been Christians for a short while, and there's so much for us to learn. You know, even though I have been saved for many years, and I won't tell you how many, <laughs> but we'll say it's over 60 years that I've been a follower of Jesus Christ, there's still things I need to learn. There's still things I am learning. There are things that I am growing in, in my walk with the Lord. None of us will ever arrive. 
but a new believer in Christ, there is so much that they need to learn. So much that will be lacking in their faith. And that's just a message for us as a church as well, to be patient with new believers. Sometimes we expect new believers to behave like seasoned believers. We need to be patient with those who have just come to Christ and realize there's so much more that they need to learn, even as there's so much more that we need to learn. So Paul wants to be with them so he can supply that and teach them. Now he does part of the teaching here through the rest of 1 Thessalonians, and we're going to see some teaching about the return of the Lord coming up in the next few weeks. This is something they were lacking and they needed to be informed about. So Paul's desire is to supply what they lack. His desire is to see an increase in love. Uh, They're at the last part of the verse on the screen, and I have to hurry now this morning. And our Lord Jesus, direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all. See, love is right at the heart of Christianity. John 13, 35, Jesus said, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. 1 John 4, 20, if anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother who he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Paul wants to see them increase in their love. And it's not that they are lacking in showing love. In chapter 1, verse 3, they were commended for their labor of love. But the truth is, we all have room to grow in love. The Thessalonians had room to grow in love. We as a church have room to grow in love. We are always going to have room to grow in love. We need to love our neighbor as ourselves. We're to love our enemies. We all have room that we can improve in this love. And then next, Paul's desire is to see their hearts blameless in holiness. In verse 13, the Apostle Paul says this, As we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness... Before our God and Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Jesus is coming, and Paul wants these believers to be established in and to be blameless in holiness. Blameless, no one can bring a charge against you, a provable charge. Satan will slander you. We saw that last week. He's the accuser, but no one will be able to bring a provable charge against you, that you'll be blameless, and you'll be blameless in what? In holiness, in being like God, in doing what is right. To be holy means to be set aside, and Paul desires this for this church in Thessalonica. Actually, in verse 11, as it begins, Paul says, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you and may... Paul just broke into a prayer. 
That's common as you're reading Paul's epistles. He'll be writing about something, and then just suddenly he'll jump into a prayer where he's praying for someone, or he's giving glory to God in a prayer. That's what Paul does here. He just breaks into a prayer for those in Thessalonica that God will keep them blameless in holiness. Now, let's talk about very quickly just some practical things for us as a body. Uh, Number one, stay diligent in the study of God's Word. There's There's room for all of us to grow. Every single one of us. Stay diligent in learning. Don't think you've arrived. None of us have arrived. Number two, Let's seek to increase in love. I would challenge you this week, do an act of love for someone. Do an act of love. Not because you're expecting something in return. Just do an act of love and grace to someone to minister to. You can call someone on the phone who maybe is lonely and needs encouragement. Uh, You can meet someone's need that God will lay upon your heart. If you ask God to do so, he will lay a need upon your heart to give you the ability to minister to someone else. Let's grow in our love for one another. And then let's examine our hearts to make sure we are blameless in holiness. In a few minutes, we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper together. Let's make sure that we let the Spirit of God search our hearts to see if there's anything there that does not please Him. And if there is, we can confess that to the Lord.